global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime, and it's all about woman power, hashtag girl power today. We've got a powerful panel. Uh, Just days after a Maryland woman's body was found near a trail where she went missing, authorities have now said Rachel Morin was a victim of a quote-unquote violent homicide. Uh, It was an intentional taking of a person's life, said Hartford County Sheriff Jeffrey Goller. So the question is, who could commit such a heinous crime? And more importantly, why? And we've got the best guess for this. Kicking us off with the Los Angeles shirt kind of cut off a little bit. Uh, I only know that because I asked her if she's in L.A. Uh, Dr. Shiloh is a former police officer and a current forensics and law enforcement psychologist. She has specialized in sex offender treatment and psychological evaluations and risk assessment for high-risk sex offenders. She's been doing it since 2006. She's also the co-host of the Forensic Psychology and True Crime podcast, L.A. Not So Confidential. So check out L.A. Not So Confidential. Then in the pink, repping Barbie, Nina Hobson is a former British detective who worked covert operations, major crime and close personal protection. She's investigated murder, rape, kidnap and global fraud cases and was a bodyguard for celebrities and dignitaries around the world. She is the host of a new true crime podcast called Codename Siren. Check out Codename Siren. And last but of course not least, big friend of the show, Gigi McKelvey, host of the popular true crime podcast, Pretty Lies and Alibis. She spent six weeks over the summer covering the Lori Vallow Daybell trial for Law and Crime and News Nation. Uh, She's produced over 50 podcasts on that particular uh, case, and you'll see her all over law and crime. A quick uh, reminder, please follow us on Facebook. On Insta, I post funny photos. Dragged my kid to monster trucks last night. Don't ever do that. And if you do, make sure you bring earplugs because my head was about to explode. Uh, On Twitter, serious stuff like Showtimes. uh, We're at Podcast STS. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can support us at Patreon, on YouTube, and the merch store is open. I'm trying to get some sort of form of a, a calm cutout in that merch store, but it's easy, It's much easier said than done. So uh, on to serious news here. Uh, Rachel Morin, uh, mom of five, uh, last seen alive a week ago Saturday night. She goes into the woods uh, on a hiking trail on the Maryland-Pennsylvania border. And uh, next thing you know, um, boyfriend is calling police and we'll get into him because he's got a bit of a sordid past. Uh, and some other uh, character who we're introduced to in this story uh, divulges a lot of details, which police are are kind of stepping back on. Uh, but she was reportedly, in fact, found naked uh, with half of her face. This is difficult to hear. Smashed in uh, the victim of a violent homicide. Uh, To you, Nina Hobson, once a detective in the UK, horrific crime, uh, a beautiful young woman, woman, the mother of five, um, you know, not even in the prime of her life yet at 37. Where do you begin to 
investigate this crime because there's so many different people that police could be looking at so far. We have not heard uh, anything from authorities in terms of a you know prime suspect or a person of interest. So I kind of like the fact that we haven't heard too much um, because sometimes I think we hear too much too soon and we make assumptions. But um, I mean, don't don't basically shout at me, anyone, but you go straight to the, the family and the boyfriend would be my first port of call. Um, and obviously, we've seen many times where the family um, have been the please help us find the person um, that did this and it's been that person. So again, cynical detective, and I don't apologize for that, but that's the the starting point that we need to look at. And that is her and uh, her current boyfriend who she just started dating. Um, Dr. Shiloh, you know, forensic psychology, that's your specialty. Uh, do you believe here that the killer is likely someone that knows Rachel and was close to Rachel because it was a, a violent uh, death and people usually say that that is personal. Well, I, I don't think necessarily because it was a violent death that I would say that. I think we need to go back to what the st statistics show as far as most murders, especially those of women, that are going to be they're going to be victimized by someone they know and likely an intimate partner. But you know, there have been several other situations like this with a woman jogging on a trail that have been brutally attacked and murdered. And it has been a stranger, random type situation. So, I mean, yes, I, I back what Nina says. You have to start in that inner circle and go concentrically out from that because you can't just start out there. It's going to give you nothing. You need to systematically rule people out first. And uh, Dr. Shiloh was a former police officer uh, before getting into the world of psychology. Shari's News says uh, the killing of Rachel Morn sounds like a personal killing. Someone she knew how very sad to think her five children will never see their mom again. Uh, that is sad. Uh, we got a black heart here from Widower and Dom's mom saying hello to the crew here. Um, Gigi McKelvey, uh, you cover a lot of heinous crimes. How do you get dragged into this one? You know, just uh, like I do every day, reading new cases, just uh, going to longcrime.com or Twitter. And immediately when when this story broke, I just, you know, anytime a woman is killed, it's just being a woman having daughters, I always seem to gravitate towards those. And this, I agree though, this really is a, a head scratcher. And, and like they say, you have to start from the inner circle and, and move out. But Man, I have to say, though, the victim blaming in this case is really getting to me because I think that you have a better chance of being killed in a mass shooting at the at the grocery store these days than you do getting killed by somebody you may be met on a dating app. That's been a lot of what I've seen. Risky lifestyle. We risk every time we get in our car and go somewhere. So I just want to say the victim blaming on this poor woman that has kids between the ages of 8 and 18, people need to stop. And Gigi's talking about the fact that there were some reports that came out over the weekend that she was on multiple dating apps, which I'm going to get to. And so people say, you know, who would do that? And in this day and age, almost everyone is doing that uh, who is single. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who are married who are doing that. <laughs> who are doing that as well. Um, so, uh, you know, you cannot you cannot blame the victim for that. Uh, but there are some new developments, some small, some large. One of the uh, sort of smaller but important ones is that Harford County, it is being reported today, which is interesting, 
just purchased um, a new ATV for enhanced patrols. That was something that they were looking to do, uh, but went ahead and, and did it. They said it's an immediate operational need uh, and purchased what they call a Gator ATV, which I have a hunch someone like Gigi would know a lot more about that than me because I know absolutely nothing about that stuff. Um, but it's supposed to help facilitate, as I said, these enhanced patrols. They had only had one. They're also starting uh, bike and foot patrols. But Nina Hobson, when you hear that, that they purchased an ATV and they've got bike and foot patrols, does that give you the impression maybe that they don't know who this suspect is and someone could be out in the woods right now? And if you're a woman on these hiking trails, you better be really careful or a man potentially. But uh, what do you, do you read anything into that? Or are they just... Uh, making sure that they've got all their I's dotted and their T's crossed right now? I mean, I think that's a bit of both because obviously they want to make sure everyone's safe. But to me, it's kind of saying we don't really know who this is or where to even start, but we don't want it to escalate and be somebody else. I mean, that's, they're doing the right thing by increasing that, although there's a kind of a, a bit of an element of, you know, it's already happened, but Obviously, the police and the community want to make sure that everyone else is is safe and not to put fear of God into everybody. But when something like this happens and it is an area where people are alone and they go hiking on the alone, uh, alone and they're in woods, then obviously everyone does have to be vigilant until that person is caught, until they know who they're looking for. And like you, you rightly said, Joel, you know, male or female, at this point we have sadly a female who has been killed but we don't know who this person is we're not saying it's just someone who's going to approach female it may not be you know a, a sexual motivation we don't know and so until we do know a everyone has to be vigilant and b the police are doing absolutely what they should be doing to make sure that happens mm. uh, Gigi, did you did you raise your hand did i see a hand go up Gigi? No, no, not voluntarily. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just checking. Thought I'd say things. Uh, TYO Toy says, I live not far away. There are transient homeless living in the woods, even in wealthy areas like this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the woods is uh, not the safest of places to be. A quick shout out, by the way, to Frankie Figs is in the house. Ski Hat Sarah saying hi. Miss Wee Lassie from the UK, like Nina Hobson does not seem like it was premeditated if they used a rock as the weapon. If she was being stalked by someone who knew her routine, surely that they, they'd go prepared. Do you agree with that, uh, Dr. Shiloh? Uh, they were, and, and we're going to get to this in a second because the police, again, are, are kind of backtracking on some of the things this other individual said. But if a rock was, in fact, used to uh, kill Rachel Morin, does that tell you that it was not premeditated? Yeah, I do lean in that direction, just with the the choice of weapon being opportunistic. Um, I think there's also something to say, which kind of ties back into what you were asking before about whether this is personal or not and ha bashing in someone's face. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, they're speculating that it was to cover up her identity. And I, I don't think that's the case. I really see it more as an anger frenzy, which doesn't necessarily mean it's personal. It could be um, in that person's reality, depending on, you know, what they're dealing with, if there's a delusional disorder, if there's a stalking issue going on here. Um, so it could be personal to the offender, but it doesn't mean that they have a personal relationship, if that makes sense, hopefully. Yeah, it does. Um, Gigi McKelvey, um, so 
it, it's kind of interesting. After this story broke, we heard from a guy whose last name I can't really pronounce, but Michael Gabreski. Um, and he, I think, worked like search and rescue for the parks or, or a park at one point. Um, and he came out and um, I guess his the story is that his stepdaughter is good friends with Rachel Morin. So they went out and uh, kind of came upon the body. And the story is a little convoluted because at first you think it's this guy, Michael, who discovered the body. And he was very kind of visual with his details, basically saying half her face is gone. A rock was used. He looks down, he sees this bloody rock. And then other reports say that it was actually the stepdaughter uh, who may have discovered the body. And he never even saw it, was hearing it uh, kind of, you know, second hand but the the point is now the sheriff is downplaying uh this testimony you know this this eyewitness testimony from this guy um dis- even disputing the claims what what does that tell you um if anything but it's kind of strange um that this guy would offer so many details and then the police have to come in the sheriff's office in this case uh the sheriff himself to say well not so fast uh, not all these details are correct what do you make of that my hunch is that maybe he is onto something because the 911 caller had the same first name as his stepdaughter. So I think that for me, it probably, if I had to guess, this was maybe some secondhand information. Maybe he didn't look, maybe he didn't want to look, but maybe she in great detail described what she saw. But that first name being the same tells me that at least he knew or had been described what had happened. And I think, you know, police don't want any details getting out that maybe only the killer would know. So in being really quick to kind of just say, discredit this guy, don't listen to him, it's a little bit of damage control. And I think, you know, I don't know that this guy really had bad intentions. Uh, you just get loose lips sometimes and and go with it. And this is a big event, whether he saw it or not. Apparently, a stepdaughter did. So I really just feel like the police did not want these very graphic details out there as even like a rock, they may not want the general public to know that they know what she was killed with. So that's kind of my hunch is that let's just walk this back, kind of get him out of the picture. But the validity in me this weekend was listening to that 911 call. I think it was Cassandra or it started with a C, her name, and it was the first name of the stepdaughter. So that's just kind of my hunch. See, I've been doing this uh, long enough now that I'm suspicious of everyone, Nina Hobson. By the way, Tali is watching us in Israel. Hello, SDS family. Girl power in the house tonight, best guess. Um, you know, everyone talks, Nina, about a, a man committing this crime because that is, you know, the obvious, uh, um, you know, impression that one would have. But this, and I, you know, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just bringing this up as something to discuss in terms of uh, investigative techniques. But this stepdaughter who we're talking of was apparently... Uh, Rachel Morin's best friend or one of her closest friends and then discovers her on the trail. Um, that is someone uh, from an investigative standpoint that you would then have to rule out, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know me, Joel, I'm suspicious and everyone is guilty until we find out that they're not. Um, thankfully, the court doesn't rule, rule like that. But yeah, absolutely. She's got to be ruled out. And I actually fully agree with everything Gigi just said, um, you know, where the police have kind of had to take a step back. And what, one of my first comments, it's actually nice that we haven't got too much information because for me as an investigator, that's when we start to worry that if eventually we do get somebody who is responsible for this, that we have to be able to have a fair trial and we have to make sure that that information has not gone out 
via the wrong sources. So um, I'm I'm fully in agreement with what Gigi's saying about this this guy at this point until anything further develops. Yeah, everyone's got to be ruled out. And like you guys said, you got to start on the inside, work your way out. Uh, Sally Vella, Becky Ireland, by the way, saying hello from Ohio. And then you've got Sally Vella here. Uh, officials are saying they think it was a random act that we find out the boyfriend hired someone because he's a criminal and nefarious after all. So Sally thinking like us, but we got to be careful. Uh, the great Phil Waters, who's investigated over 400 homicides, he always says, let the scene speak to you. Don't get ahead of yourselves. And, uh, you know, don't don't follow evidence necessarily or something that's not there. Let the evidence uh, lead you in the right way. Tiff Knox says, hiya, folks. And uh, hey, Mona, also a friend of the show here. So, uh, again, the quote from this guy, uh, Michael Gabreski, however you pronounce his last name, uh, says, and thank you, Ingrid Freund, for the super sticker. I uh, love that. Uh, he said, uh, and I quote, I saw a terrible mess. Uh, there's not going to be an open casket. I can guarantee you that. So that gives you some idea if he is correct about what he witnessed. Um, speaking of witnesses, uh, Dr. Shiloh, uh, the sheriff uh, made a public plea because there were people hiking in the park uh, that night. It was Saturday evening around 6 p.m. for people to come forward. And there was like groups of either two women and a man and some dogs or one man and two women. They weren't exactly sure. But what we know now is that um, a group of potential witnesses is coming forward. Um, and again, uh, the makeup of the witnesses still not known. Either It says here, either three men, two women, and two dogs, or two women, three women, and, and two dogs. So sort of irrelevant. But the important thing is that uh, eyewitnesses who were there are coming forward. Obviously, this can be critical. Um, I'm assuming, Dr. Shiloh, that if they saw anything um, like really significant, they would have reported it earlier. Or am I wrong about that? Are they just talking to them to kind of see who these people saw in the park at that time? Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that if there was something that really jumped out at them, they would have reported it. Um, but regardless, you know, you think this is a hiking trail. There, you know, it might be sparsely populated at certain times of the day, but certainly other people are utilizing these trails. So similarly in the Delphi case, right, there was the call for people to remember cars that they saw in the parking areas and other people that they saw on the trail to get descriptions. And we think, you know, at some point that might have led to other descriptions rather than what was just captured on camera in that case. But yeah, it, it could take the the smallest little piece of information for someone who was seen on that trail. I'm guessing another witness said there was a group of people that they remember seeing. And so they asked for that group of people to come forward to see if they have any further information about anyone that they saw likely coming or going um, to get a lead where they can from eyewitnesses. And not that eyewitness testimony is the best, but it's going to give you something from the scene at that time. Like you said, let the scene speak to you. You really have to start there before you start you know, looking at some of these other characters that are making some noise. Uh, and now we are, we are looking at Rachel Morin. Uh, she was 37 years old, a mother of five. Uh, so uh, a lot of children, obviously. Um, and uh, they all just lost their mom, which is horrendous. But uh, according to reports, and this was in the New York Post, um, Gigi McKelvey, back to you on this, because we're getting back to the dating apps here. 
Uh, on the day she went hiking, um, she reportedly uh, stopped, according to employees of Glow, which is a bronzing studio. Uh, she stopped off to get a, a spray tan. It says a daily spray tan. That seems like it might be excessive, but what do I know? But anyway, uh, she stopped there and she was talking to the employees of Glow and she revealed to them that she was on multiple dating sites uh, prior to her death. But I mean, again, people immediately came out and said, you know, what's she doing on multiple dating sites? That would literally be three quarters of this country that's single, right? Yeah. Welcome to 2023. I mean, I don't think that, you know, traditional dating is a thing anymore. It's a lot of apps. And the thing is this, for me, this screams random because you're looking at a trail that was occupied by other people at this time. I mean, you're looking at a rock. It's, It's not like you say, or one of the guests said, you would think that they would come better prepared. Maybe a, a listener put that comment. That's the biggest thing to me is that it was so brazen to do this in daylight. It, even if it's in a tunnel, um, these this trail, I've looked at Google Maps overhead. I've looked at other people's photos from this. It's not like there's a deep wooded area to go. And so for me, I just think it's more random. But the dating app thing, it you know, you always think, is there a possibility? Well, of course, but... There are bigger risks in this world at this point than a dating app has become so common. And I just, that was not something I gravitated towards as maybe a facilitator of this murder. I could be proved wrong, but just the way this was done, where it was done the time of day and with what uh, allegedly was used as a murder weapon, I just feel like this was somebody who saw her and, and went for her. Um, and Nina, uh, that's interesting and it's definitely a possibility. But again, um, it just it, it raises the question: Why a rock? Why would you? If your intention was to go and murder, uh, you probably would have come with some sort of weapon, unless it was just a last second desire by whoever committed this crime to kill them. But is that? I mean, would, does that make sense to you as a seasoned investigator that someone would just seize an opportunity and it's light? It's light out still at that time of day. It was like around six o'clock. Um, assuming she was killed close to when she went missing. Um, does it sound reasonable to you that someone would just take this as a, um, you know, killing of opportunity, uh, want her dead and pick up a rock and start bludgeoning her? Yeah, and I think that's something that we've discussed on other shows when there's been, you know, murder weapons and things like that. What what he doesn't say to the investigator is, you know, this is a random person. It, it could be that she's and I'm just making uh, assumptions here that she could potentially have had a stalker who was following her that day and then something happened that triggered. And we don't know when we're we're investigating killers and serial killers, it's not necessarily the cause, uh, and Dr. Charlotte will talk more about this because I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or anything else, but it's not necessarily the cause that we believe was the reason that they did what they did. So it could be that a trigger, it, somebody who knows her, that it, it triggered, it could be a random person, something triggered that moment for that rock to be used. But yes, I would go along with more of it being a random attack, but not necessarily a random person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I jump in here, Joel? I think we're dancing around an issue here that hasn't been said yet is that we're probably going to learn that this was sexually motivated. So this very likely started out as a sexual assault. And that being the motive, 
Who knows if murder was the plan all along? You know, there could have been one blow to the head to try and incapacitate her off the trail, take her off the trail, sexually assault her. And then at some point, who knows, you know, how that escalates into actually killing her, her fighting back, or this person, you know, um, having some sadistic tendencies and traits that are coming up in the commission of this crime. But I, being that her body was found nude, I think we're absolutely going to find out that she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, and that was something I meant to bring up at the very, very top. I have it in my notes, but uh, skipped over it. Her body, uh, according to reports, was found uh, in a state of undress. So that's a, an excellent point made by Dr. Shiloh. Uh, there's some more details. Uh, the New York Post, uh, as always, is all over this stuff. Uh, they have reported um, that the couple, uh, this is her boyfriend, uh, who we'll get into, and her, uh, were both uh, gym enthusiasts. They went to Planet Fitness. Uh, she's what they call a black card holder so that she can use any of the facilities, but she was at the quote-unquote home gym, which is right nearby there in a place called Rock Spring Road. Um, and um, apparently then went to the tanning salon, then goes for this walk. And the boyfriend, uh, according to reports, um, dropped her off uh, that same day uh, just before 5 p.m. That's according to him that he dropped her off uh, he has since made his uh, social media pages private. Um, and after he dropped her off, uh, she went onto the hiking trail last seen between the hours of 6 and 7.30 p.m. Uh, Nina, is it safe to say that right now police are constructing a very detailed timeline, um, speaking to this guy, Richard Tobin, the boyfriend, and saying, tell us, tell us again exactly what time were you at the gym? What time did you leave the gym? What was your route home? Are they doing all that right now? They're definitely doing that. And they are obviously trying to prove or disprove what he's saying to them, not because he's the main suspect, but because that's what their job is. And anybody that is dealing with the police with regards to this, any of the witnesses that are coming forward, they are going to be doing the same thing. But that timeline is really important because... I think we've mentioned already any piece of the jigsaw and it doesn't matter how small it is may lead to the bigger solving of the puzzle. So the timeline is really important that it's correct um, because it will bring in other information around what's happened here. Mm. Uh, Sally Vella took me a moment to figure this one out. Four females and Joel again, I counted three, but then I saw my lovely mother uh, in her cardboard cutout form and it all made sense. Uh, Frankie Figs, woo-hoo, girl power, uh, all the Gigi fans uh, filing in. Becky Ireland, <laughs> Tina Mindful, here's Becky Ireland. And then you got Baby Doll, a friend of the show. And then you've got this from Amy Marta. Uh, STS Nation, do you know your clock is off? It says it's 6 p.m. I don't even see a clock. Um, but if my clock is off, that is the uh, – I'm, I'm sending that over to the uh, – chief technical officer slash chief of everything department to have her handle that because I'm not dealing with that. Anyway, uh, I digress for a moment. So Gigi McKelvey, a uh, bigger picture, uh, and we're going to get into Richard Tobin, the boyfriend, but um, did he strike you uh, in an interesting fashion when reading about him? Did you have a moment uh, for pause? Uh, we'll get into the details surrounding him, but he claims you know, he is incredibly devastated. Uh, he posted on Facebook. Again, I think those messages are now private. Um, he has had a difficult history. But what would you make of him um, as a quote unquote character in this case? 
I think the fact that he voluntarily gave his phone and his DNA to police leads me to think that there's a good chance he's probably being honest. Now, that could be proven wrong. But that's the first step. When you voluntarily hand that stuff over, look at Rex Hewerman, the Long Island serial killer, allegedly, they had to get a court order to get his DNA. And he's incarcerated. So that was my thought on him. You know, you, you can always look at people's past and say, maybe he's had some violent interactions. But at the same time, he says he's 15 months sober and that he's grieving. And so until law enforcement tells me different, I try to just trust that. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're looking at her phone. They're looking at all these apps. Who, who did she talk to last? That kind of thing. I sort of feel like if it were him, it's been a week now, maybe we would know it was him. Hmm. Um, by the way, SGS Nation, uh, three of the brightest minds in crew trying crime, not trying, but crime tough to say today. Uh, it is a Monday. So uh, get your questions in to them and I will, uh, we will ask away. Uh, Lori War, by the way, is, as I like to say, we are the future. It is the next day in New Zealand right now. Lori Ward is watching. Uh, what a horrible crime. Yes, it is. Blessed by three beautiful ladies with beautiful minds from Misdemeanor, a friend of the show. Uh, another GG with all the emojis. And then Linda Feldman saying, Doc, hi, Dr. Shiloh. So cute to see you here. I like that in Germany, uh, in the house as well. Um, so Richard Tobin, this boyfriend who apparently has only been dating uh, Rachel Warren for a very short amount of time. When I say short, I think they only officially kind of said that they were dating in August. And it's only what, like August? I don't know what it is, 14th or 15th today. Um Richard Tobin uh, reported her missing, as we said, um, and he previ previously said on a Facebook post that he would never do anything uh, to harm Rachel Warren. Uh, but the bigger story uh, today that broke in the Baltimore banner, shout out to the Baltimore banner, is that he did give his cell phone and DNA sample uh, to police. Um, Dr. Shiloh, uh, do you read anything into that? Um, at all. I mean, is that sort of uh, an admission of innocence? Why would I give my DNA if I did this? Um, or is he just, you know, you know, not trying to ruffle feathers at this point? Obviously, police want it uh, to, uh, you know, put it up against the DNA that they found at the crime scene. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you, Gigi. I think it's a uh, it's good natured for him to go ahead and offer that up. He really has to offset some of this other stuff, right? He's the boyfriend. He was really the last one to be with her. They went to the gym together and then he says he dropped her off right before five. So that doesn't look great in his favor. But so far, I mean, these are just some very small postings. It's not like we have a full-blown sit-down interview with him, but it seems sincere. It seems like the things he should be saying, good for him for making his social media private. I'm sure he was getting tons of horrible messages. Um, and he's been organizing walks to, um, you know, kind of in her name since then. So doing all the right things on the standpoint, I know we're all very cynical here of like, okay, but, you know, but I, I do think that if it was him, we would probably have known that really quickly and maybe it's still coming. Maybe the cops are getting all their ducks in a row and good for them for doing that while possibly keeping an eye on him. And while also letting the community know that they're safe by putting out extra patrols, that kills two birds with one stone, right? It makes the community feel safe, but it also doesn't tip off anyone that they are looking more into them. You know, you know, one thing, Joel, too, is I think that he there were a million other places he could have killed her 
than a public park in daylight on a weekend. So that's another thing that kind of made me think, along with the DNA and the phone being handed over, that, you know, I'm sure that they've investigated him thoroughly. But that was another thing that stood out to me is he could have taken her anywhere. Uh, that is 100% true, unless, you know, he snapped for some reason. Uh, he was told something, I'm breaking up with you, and that's why I'm on the dating apps, and he couldn't take it. But uh, obviously, this is all speculation at this point. But uh, analytical Blarney AB brings up a great point. Much love to Gigi, best podcaster, human, and squirrel-saving person. Only on Gigi's Twitter feed will you find a baby infant, as small as it gets, squirrel being huddled off to uh, a veterinarian. Uh, Gigi, what was the deal with that? And how is uh, the squirrel doing today? Okay, so I'm going to put this up here. My cats brought this in my house. It is a baby squirrel. This is the third one. Uh, They brought in two that day. One didn't make it. That little dude, I had every time they do this, I have to drive the little baby squirrel over an hour to the wildlife place. We're on a first name basis. So now the cats are completely indoors so they can't harm the other living creatures outside. But yeah, you know, it woke me up screaming at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, and I can't help it. I can't go throw it out in the yard. It's a little little living thing. So she updated me today. He's doing great. And the one we took in two weeks ago, doing great, too. So just got some serial killer cats. Yeah, you got some violent cats. <laughs> yeah, they've been listening to this podcast, I think. Yeah, they've got to stop listening to Pretty Lies and Alibi. Get them on Surviving the Survivor, where we, uh, yeah, right. where we talk about saving squirrels. Um, Just make sure they don't start fires or start wetting the bed. Then you have the trifecta there. Oh, my God. See, look, I'm, I'm just moving. I'm going to get a houseboat. Leave the cats um, here. Yeah, 100%. Uh, LA Not So Confidential, uh, no one ever just snaps. Is this you, Shiloh, or is this your uh, podcasting Oh, no, it's me. I'm doing double duty here. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So do me so do me a favor. Tell me well <laughs> that that is a, a misnomer. Expand. Well, yeah, expand yeah it, it is. I, and I know there's a whole TV show out there that it revolves around the topic of snapping. Um, but it's true. There there's a pathway and an evolution to violence. And, um, you know, as we say, best predictor of future behaviors, past behaviors. So I think we do have to look at past offenses with people that are perhaps in the suspect pool. Um, Did that include violence? Did that include violating restraining orders? Um, You know, we know that Rachel, unfortunately, was in custody disputes with three men. You know, there's some emotionally triggering things going on here. Um, And when we look, so if we have two theories here that either it was a stranger random attack or if it was a personal known attacker, for the personal known attacker camp, who had to gain something from her death, right? Or what immediately came before this to escalate it to this point? So when we're looking at patterns of behavior and who might be in that suspect pool, Those are some of the things that we have to consider. Not that someone has to be demonized for things that they have done in the past and people can absolutely change. And in a lot of people's cases, that does come with sobriety, um, but we can't ignore it either. Mm. Uh, Sarah reminding everyone one week until Carm's return. I think she's coming back Sunday. I have to uh, pin that down with her. Uh, good night, everybody from Luxembourg, Europe. It's 1 a.m. Thank you for staying up with us and uh, for the... European and elsewhere, SDS Nationers, we're going to do another, uh, I think every Wednesday, but this Wednesday we're aiming to do a 12.30 p.m. Eastern show uh, so you guys don't have to uh, 
stay up too late. Uh, we will cut you that break. Hey, Mona, so excited for this female heavy show. Joel probably needed a break after the monster. Yes, I did. After the monster truck testosterone event. By the way, one of the best drivers is a female driver. I was very impressed. She made her She's driving a puppy dog truck, which I thought was a little sexist. And the other guys are driving, you know, total testosterone trucks. But she could make that thing stand up on its back wheels. So it was crazy. Um, don't ever go to that, by the way. <laughs> Probably. Thank God my son, no matter what it is, after 45 minutes, he wants to leave. It doesn't matter if it's the president, monster trucks or whatever. So we escaped early, which is great. Um, so back to uh, this guy, Richard Tobin, the uh, the boyfriend. Um Nina Hobson, he has, uh, and again, I'm not pointing fingers, but you're an investigator and these guys have to be looked at. So he has two arrests for second degree assault, separate arrests for violating restraining orders, also malicious destruction of property and drug possession. This all goes uh, all the way back 10 years, back to about uh, 2014. He's also faced charges of being a fugitive from justice, resisting arrest and disorderly intoxication. I mean, there's no way you can run your investigation without thoroughly vetting this guy, right? I mean, uh, you and I both know that you're, uh, you know, you, you're skeptical. Um, how often would you be talking to him and uh, what would you be asking him? I mean, you've got to talk to him because what you want to do is, is also trip him up. And I don't mean that you would set him up. That's very different, but you want to hear his story and you want to rehear the story because it's when the story is repeated if it's not true it's going to change and that's the point that you you need to be prepared for of course with that kind of background as a cynical cop you're going to go this person is bad news but you know when we go to court cases we can't use people's past in a court case um for various reasons people can change but you have to be mindful that those things have happened in the past not that they are happening now but they have happened in the past and if you did ignore that then you're not doing your job correctly so i agree the fact he's come forward he's given his dna and his phone did he really have any choice to do that eventually no probably not um so you know he's he's playing whether he's playing the game or whether he's doing what's right because it's the right i i don't know because i don't know enough about the evidence that the police actually have or what they are actually doing. This is such a fresh case also. Um, and they the reason that they're not saying things that we've discussed before is it's giving him an opportunity to trip himself up if they need to do that. And, and he is the person who's responsible. And that's me not saying that he is by any stretch of the imagination. But I know Nina Hobson would be questioning him. Uh, this coming back up. So Dr. Shiloh, in your wheelhouse from GG, not to be confused with GG, uh, could a woman uh, who is angry slash jealous have done this? Uh, it's possible, right? Sure, sure. It's absolutely possible. Um, again, if we go back to statistics, I think uh, that's much less likely. And you throw in the element of a sexual assault, and that's even going to be more or less likely. So I, I think it's really going to hinge on what we learn as far as the sexual assault in this case. And, and when you're talking statistics, um, we always hear, but I mean, what percentage of homicides do you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, are male versus female? And obviously any kind of 
female on female sexual assault has got to be minimal, right? Yeah, it, it's pretty rare. Um, you know, we can look at female sex offenders. They do absolutely exist. But the vast majority of female sex offenders are offending against adolescent boys. Um, and then we do have some other cases, of course, of like date rape scenarios with adult men. Um, but female on female sexual assault does happen. But I want to say that usually is more in the case of similar along the lines of like what we commonly know as date rape, even though I can't stand that term. But when you have people that are um, dating or in an, an intimate relationship already, and then there might be some sexual assault happening there. But, you know, you can look at statistics as far as the breakdown of homicides, and predominantly it's usually men killing other men. But when women are murdered, generally they're going to be killed by their romantic partners. Mm. Uh, this I did not know, uh, Gigi, but I think you guys did from Bree Lynn. She also had three court cases on the docket with three fathers, um, kind of sus, as the kids say. Uh, Gigi, what about this? This, um, this just kind of muddies the water even further, right? I mean, now you've got more people that are potential suspects. Right. Because that, you know, if you've got three fathers that are, uh, my understanding is this was a custody dispute. And so if a father were to get sole custody, then he wouldn't have to pay child support. So that could lend to motive. At least I'm sure that's what something that police are looking into or investigators are checking out. It's it's just so hard to know right now. It's kind of endless. You know, I just saw a comment scroll by that the guy who kind of had the loose lips mentioned something about he had never been to that park, but he had a vision of tunnels, which I thought that was the one thing that was a little bit off to me, which was... Okay, so you have visions too, like things come to you. It's, you know, it reminded me of like watching the the newer Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch where he sees things with his mind. It's That was something I forgot about that really stood out to me. But look, you got, you know, ex, exes you have children with, that can be very um, stressful. And when you're fighting in court, you're racking up attorney fees, you're possibly going to have to pay more child support or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of motive to go around just with the the father of these children, the fathers of these children. As the married father of three whose kids need to go back to school yesterday but are not for another week, I know the stress and uh, I cannot imagine if you're going through a custody uh, dispute. So, yeah, that complicates things. And again, that you're right. That guy did have, quote unquote, visions of tunnels when he was on the search with his stepdaughter, which I thought was really weird, too. And he's kind of a a little bit of a peculiar looking cat, this guy. So, uh, yeah, but, but again, I do want to say I do believe people can have visions. I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying that given the fact that he had never been there and then, you know, says he gives this very graphic description and then she's found in a tunnel and then you have police say, well, this guy never even saw her. That was just one thing that did very early on kind of hit me. But then when I heard that 911 call with his stepdaughter's name in there as the caller, I kind of thought, well, it sounds like maybe she described to him and then he kind of relayed that to the news because she has not spoken out. It seems like she was very traumatized by what she saw. Obviously, they said she sat down in a pool of blood that she hyperventilated. So, um, but that was one thing I did see scroll past. So 
Just wow. wanted to throw that in there. That's devastating if she hyperventilated a pool of blood. That is not good. Uh, Tali here from Israel again. When I grow up, I want to be a badass as these three amazing women. And you're uh, a criminology student, Tali. So uh, one day you will be joining the ranks of uh, of these women. Uh, Rhonda Hyde, love the show. Codename Siren, Nina Hobson's podcast is amazing too. So check out Codename Siren, LA Not So Confidential, and Pretty Lies and Alibis. And Ski Hat Sarah here, by the way. Hope everything is okay with Jersey Jen Castaldi, a big friend of the show. Uh, she's been going through tough times with her mom. So uh, if anyone hears from her, uh, tell her I send my regards. I hope she's okay. Sarah Ann, epic panel tonight. The COE bringing in a lot of these comments tonight. My favorite ladies, and you're okay too, Joel. Love from Boston. <laughs> um, speaking of Boston, um, we are doing a story tomorrow night. I just blanked on her name, but the young uh, woman who is accused of killing her Boston police officer, Karen Reed, uh, her Boston police officer boyfriend, a guy named John O'Keefe, she claims she was framed. It's an interesting story, and we're getting into that, into that tomorrow night with Wendy Murphy. It is the Karen Reed, like reading a book case. So uh, Google it, check it out. And uh, another very interesting story uh, with a lot of different uh, elements to it. Um, Nina Hobson, I read a, a Facebook post and I just assume that whatever the person is writing is what they're saying and they're honest. But I'm going to read you this guy, uh, Richard Tobin, the boyfriend's post. He says, and I quote, I love Rachel. I would never do anything to her. Let the family and I grieve. Yes, I have a past, but I also have 15 months clean and have changed as a person. Um, does that sound honest to you? More like a defense? Do you read anything into it? Do you take it at face value? If you're investigating this case, how closely are you looking at what he's writing? You are looking closely, but that's a normal response as far as I'm aware for somebody who has just lost somebody in circumstances horrendous as this. So, you know, again, taking my my human side of my brain, that's that's a normal post. Taking my investigation side of my brain, we're looking at every single thing that he does right now, whether it's a post, whether he's put gone private, you know, even as a a cynical investigator was why has he gone suddenly private and obviously there's an explanation but as an investigator you're looking at every single thing but as a human being that's a normal kind of post that you would expect in fact if he hadn't have put that then maybe there would be more questions and maybe he is feeling he's got to defend himself because of his history and he knows that people will make assumptions because that's what we do as as human beings and so um you know he's just doing probably what he thinks is right for now uh ski hat sarah says i read she was found naked is that true uh yes it is and followed by this question um and I'll throw it to you, Dr. Shiloh. So they took her clothes. We don't know that. Do they treasure them as trophies or are they going to be used to frame someone? Um, we don't know where the clothes are, right? Police would not release that. But if, if, if the killer took the clothes, uh, would that change the dynamic, Dr. Shiloh? I mean, I, I don't think it would change the dynamic of the motive or why this was done necessarily. Um, it could be part of the signature of this offender if they decided to take them with them and keep them. But it, with a case like this, there's certainly going to be a ton of forensic evidence 
Again, the police are just holding that really closely now and good for them on that. So we don't know. I mean, the, the clothes could be there. Um, and if they are, then I, I don't doubt with an attack like this and then hand in hand with a sexual assault that we're going to have a ton of forensic evidence. Uh, Lucy the Bengal says, I read today that her five children had been split up and sent to live with their fathers. Not only do these children have to deal with the loss of their mother, but now they all live separately. That That is very uh, sad. Then you've got um, justice for Rachel. And then analytical Blarney AB, who has time to date anymore? Never blame the woman. It's gross. That's a great question. I don't know. I, we're also doing the Thomas Randolph uh, murder retrial. He was on death row. Four of six of his wives uh, wound up dead. We're doing that Thursday night. And I just think to myself, even before you get to the deaths, four of six are dead. Um, how do you get married six times? It's a lot. Uh, it takes a lot of effort. I would never have that kind of effort. So, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not um, ambitious enough. I don't know. Um, T.J. McKelvey. So back to this, we've got these two dueling guys in the story right now, the guy who had the visions of the tunnel. So he came forward and I found this really interesting too. And he commented on the boyfriend's Facebook post, which I thought was a little strange. And he said, I mean, it could have been his way of grieving, but it's not about you. It's about her. It's about bringing her home. That's somebody's mother, somebody's daughter. She left behind five children. I mean, it's weird to me, and I shouldn't be judging people, but I am obviously, that here's a guy who claims that he had visions of tunnels and got himself in the spotlight to now be coming down on the uh, brand new boyfriend for the way he's grieving. Do you find that odd or am I just being harsh? Uh, it is odd. I mean, look, this guy's, you know, saying that he didn't need to be doing that. I mean, he shouldn't be telling the entire world about how this woman was killed and how she was found. So it's kind of like pot kettle line too. I mean, it seems to me like, you know, this guy just needs to hush. He needs to like go in the background, let the police do their work and not be a distraction. But look, I mean, you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. It seems like he really must have described what his stepdaughter allegedly saw. And police want to keep that close. So, but to go post it on Facebook and stuff, that's a little bit bizarre to me. I mean, you know, are you just wanting your 15 minutes because you're associated with this? Because it's not a, a nice 15 minutes. You know what I mean? You're, you're starting to look really weird. Yeah. And who wants your 15 minutes from this, right? Uh, Linda Marks, back to you, Gigi. These are both for you. Agree about the victim blaming Gigi. Also popular. Blame the wife, family of a serial killer. Uh, blame the mother for what he did, etc. Uh, followed by, hello, SDS Nation, so happy to see Gigi as I'm a loyal alibier, pretty lies and alibis. Love her thoughts on how horrible the victim shaming has been. So just, uh, if you can, just sort of recap that for uh, those who are still curious about your thoughts on it. Uh, uh, it's just, you see it all over Twitter, Facebook, uh, you know, anywhere, Reddit. Just people say, well, she shouldn't have been doing this. She shouldn't have been on dating apps. She should not have been out running. Well, we should be teaching our sons not to attack women who are doing normal everyday things too. Um, I'm so sick of women getting blamed. Every time they get killed, then we pick apart what they did or didn't do when really they're victims. Nobody goes out intending to get murdered. Nobody thinks maybe if they're doing this or they're running. And, you know, when we had that last jogger that was murdered, well, her shorts were too short. She was wearing a tank tie. She was wearing a sports bra. She shouldn't have been out at 5 a.m. I mean, it's it's a normal human thing to go running. Up. Well, not for me, but I mean, like, you know, a lot of people like to go out and run. It's just we live in a society where we are literally sitting ducks and at the mercy 
of people who have very bad intentions. And unfortunately, whether it's known or not, she met up with somebody who knows her or somebody who didn't know her. And something really bad happened. I don't think that you can sit here and say because she had dating apps, she deserved it or she deserved it because she got a spray tan and goes to the gym. And, you know, it's just, it's disgusting to me because none of that is is bringing anybody closer to finding out who killed her or putting the blame on the killer. Let's try that for once, you know, amongst certain circles. Let's blame the murderer and not the person that was murdered. Just drives me batty. I have two daughters. And so to think, you know, it's just, it's a scary world having them in it and having one who's 18 and goes out by herself now. You just pray, you, you know, that you're not on the receiving end of a bad statistic. And sometimes you don't have to invite anything. It just walks into your life. Yeah, that just made my palms sweat, Gigi. Uh, thankfully, my oldest is only uh, nine, but uh, at times it's going to pass too fast. Um, Shaquille O'Meal. Apparently, cops think it was someone she knew and the public is not at danger because they opened up that park again. Um Nina, uh, is that necessarily true or not? They've got to they've got to keep it open uh, unless they really thought there was an imminent threat, right? Yeah, I mean, unless they think somebody's in there hiding and they've got to keep the public out. Once they've done their crime scene and all of the forensics and everything else, it, you know, it's it's like a shark attack. You don't keep the ocean shut forever. The shark attacks is and then they close it and then it's opened again how long are you going to keep it closed for you know we we don't know we hope and pray that they're going to catch the person who's responsible for this as soon as possible but unless they think it's imminent danger that somebody's hiding in that park then there's no real reason why they would keep it closed Hmm. uh ski hat sarah it seems like they know a lot more than they're letting on um Nina, if you're the lead investigator, are you keeping um, everything on the down low, telling your other investigators do not re- do not reveal any information because we need to know uh, only what the killer knows? Absolutely, because the minute that that information has become public, and bear in mind when I started many, many years ago, um, social media wasn't the way that it is now. And we've discussed already on this case, you know, Facebook posts and social media posts. So everything as an investigator, the more that you can keep inside that only the real person who's done this will eventually come out and give you little bits of information that they know, then yeah, everything, everything you can. And I sometimes get frustrated because because of the social media and not people's bad intention, but sometimes armchair detectives don't really understand the damage that they can do. And it's going back to the the guy, you know, 15 minutes of fame, whether it's a good or bad 15 minutes of fame, sadly, that's what a lot of people would like to do right now. Um, New Jersey, Kathy, shout out to my home state. Uh, This is not far from my family. The area is a lot of farmland, bedroom communities and shopping centers. It is not a place where you'd expect a woman to be killed on a hiking trail. Um, J.M.M. Barkovich uh, with just an interesting tidbit of information. There was a man living in the bayou in Houston known as the Cheese Man. He attempted to kidnap a young woman uh, when I was in college. So who knows? Maybe it's just someone lurking uh, in the in the woods here uh, looking for victims. But uh, thankfully, uh, we have not heard of any other uh, victims. And uh, hey, Mona brings up a good point. How do we know it was a rock? We don't. Um, it's because of this one guy and back to this guy whose name is Michael G. We'll just call him Michael G. Um, he went on, <laughs> Gigi, just come, to come back to you on this, 
Uh, his quotes are interesting, getting more interesting as I read them now. He said it was too personal. Um, if somebody were to just do a thrill kill, and this guy's not a law enforcement officer, uh, he, he's a, 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 a search and rescue guy for the parks, but he says, if somebody were to just do a thrill kill, it wouldn't be as brutal as what we witnessed. Kind yeah, of it's all bizarre. And like you say, he's not law enforcement. So either he watches a lot of Dateline, listens to a lot of True Crime podcasts, or, you know, he's just trying to, at the same time, maybe he's just trying to sound smart. And it's it's not really working out well for him. It's making him look worse than just, you know, as if he just said, look, we saw something and we're not going to talk about it. But to say terms like that, thrill killer, try to give some kind of psychological analysis of this potential killer uh, you know, he's he's definitely like 20 steps above his pay, his pay grade. And, and don't Dr. think they're not looking into him, too. I oh, mean, yeah, I, sure. I, I, I really want them to verify whether or not he did search and rescue or any of that, what his background is, because it it, it just is is too strange not to look into. And it's I it, it just I don't know. I don't know what to make of it yet. It's going to be really interesting. I agree. Yeah. Well, Ski Hat Sarah brings uh, up, I think that the guy that claimed to be here, be there, just wanted his 15 minutes. Not many murderers come forward like that. And then it made me think, because he's on TV and the boyfriend is out there. Um, and, and Chris Watts came up the other day, the guy uh, who murdered his wife and two children, Dr. Shiloh. And he was all over the media uh, when that case broke, uh, saying how, you know, he had to find the killer. Um, how broken up he was, and he was the killer. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, I, but he was also the husband and the father. You know, this was an intact family that had been a family unit for a long time. So th- that is the expectation, right? And that's as as him as the killer thinking the expectation is that I'm going to give these interviews and be in front of the cameras. Um, you know, I have to say the media doesn't help with this either because I've seen multiple interviews of this Michael G where any news outlet's going to stick a camera in his face and get a soundbite from him. And he seems to be enjoying that. Yeah. Um, Nina, I mean, who who would you be most interview uh, most inter- interested in interviewing right now um, of the people that we discussed? Is there is there one? Or just, you know, broad strokes here. You're just trying to bring in anyone that has a connection to her at this point. I mean, this guy that we're talking about and he, you know, he's getting a lot of attention. Um, he definitely needs to be and has no doubt been looked at fully. Um, but, you know, you get to a point so many days into an investigation. Now, it's been mentioned maybe the police have got stuff that we don't know about. But you've got to get to a point where you've done all the the people who are on the inside and you do start to look. And, and we've noticed, you know, we've mentioned they're looking for witnesses, people who are on the, that trail. So it, it, it should be that they know exactly who they need to look at out for at this moment and probably do um but it will just keep extending and extending and time is you know super critical on investigations like this and just changing tack slightly i've been on a number of press conferences where it's the killer that has been on a press conference and has said you know all the right things for their own belief that if they do that they're not going to be a suspect and it it detracts from what's really going on. Um, and, you know, that's, again, it's not every case, obviously, but it it does happen. So as an investigator, everybody right now is fair game for them, as far as, you know, we know as, as the public. 
Mm. Uh, Kathy Castro says, howdy, best guess. My spidey senses say it was related to a person she knew. Key element overkill. Dr. Shiloh, your response. Certainly, I think, you know, we think of the other cases where that has been the case. And we have these, our brain's a funny thing. It, it has these anchoring points, right, where we'll remember other cases. You bring up Chris Watts, where we say, mm, it smells like that because that happened before. But conversely, on the other side, I want to say, you know, there have been stranger attacks like this before. Chandra Levy comes to mind right now. There's another one that happened in 2016 with Karina Vetrano, who was attacked in Queens when she was jogging. And when they captured her offender who confessed, he said this, he said he was angry at a neighbor at the time. And he suggested that she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Quote, she didn't do anything. I was just mad at that time. I beat her to let my emotions out. I didn't really mean to hurt her. It just happened. So it does just happen. And there's, there's a a dozen of cases like this that have happened in the last couple of decades. Yeah, and I remember that case out on Queens. Um, horrific. And it goes to show you just don't know. And they couldn't find that person for many years, from what I remember. Um, Chelsea Whitaker, I need a police report with details about the crime scene and body. And then I think for me, a picture will start to come together of what happened. Clearly, and I was just thinking that you sound like Phil Waters. Clearly, Phil has rubbed off on me. Jesus, LOL. How about that? Um, Nina, back to you. So, um, just back to this, because there was a lot made of this group of wit- potential witnesses in the park, hikers at that time, whether it's two men or uh, three men and two women or whichever way it is. Um, what would you be asking them? What sorts of questions would you be asking them? Because they're the ones that might give you a clue. Yeah, so you would keep it very open and not provide them or or provide them with as little information as possible because you are trying to elicit the information out of them. And bearing in mind, they may say something that you as an investigator have got a bigger picture of. So it may just be that they saw, and and at the time, it, it may be that they didn't really take any notice if they walked past somebody or somebody was behaving normally because obviously it didn't draw attention. So as an investigator, you've got to try and dig a little bit into the what ifs um, and just let them give their account and be very mindful that you're not giving them too much of, of what you really do know because it's not a, it's the other way around, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sally Vela here, uh, Dr. Shiloh, to you. Uh, why would you have to undress her body? Did you force her to undress before the attack? This is obviously difficult to talk about, but if it was, uh, you know, a sex crime too, um, describe this. Like, why, why, why completely rip off all her clothes and keep her naked if that was, in fact, how she was found? Well, I, yeah, I think if that is how she was found, because I I think when they say she was found nude, we automatically just sort of picture that she had zero clothes on. This could mean she was partially nude. This could mean that clothes were torn and ripped away. So without that information, it's really hard to kind of offer some conjecture on this. Um, It could be for a number of reasons. It could be just for the commission of the crime. It could be to induce shame and, um, you know, especially with a sexual sadist to kind of not only inflict pain, but inflict some psychological pain on the victim. So, you know, there again, we don't have a lot of the big picture here, 
But when it comes to a sex offense, um, obviously commission of the crime, just being able to carry out that sexual assault is going to have to mean removal of the clothing unless she's wearing a skirt or a dress or something like that. Um, and if she's going for a jog, I doubt that was the case. Mm. Um, Gigi McKelvey, this quote is actually not from today, so it's slightly dated, but uh, this is the sheriff in Harford County, which is uh, in this section of Maryland. Uh, he said, we do not have a solid suspect, not knowing whether this was a targeted event specific to Rachel. We're going to uh, say, uh, yes, be aware. He's talking to the public, be thinking. There could be somebody out there and this is a random event. Obviously, he wants the public uh, to be uh, on alert. Um, do you buy the fact uh, that it's what, I don't know, seven, eight days later that they don't have any suspect at this point or no prime suspect? Um, are you buying it? Possibly if this was a random attack of somebody who just was lurking around and saw her and, you know, kind of followed her or ran ahead of her. Definitely. I mean, then you don't have any witnesses that saw the potential killer. And I, I assure you that at this point, they've gone through her phone with a fine tooth comb. I'm sure they've checked out alibis for these other um, for the, the fathers of her children. And it's not to say that that's not maybe where it's leaded. But for me, I just keep going back to the fact that this was done in broad daylight on a populated trail. It just seems to me if it's somebody that knew her, if it's a baby daddy, that you could have lured her to 50 different places and not do it in a public park on a weekend, you know, when it's still daylight out. That's just what I can't get past. So I think it's very valid to think that if it is a random person, they maybe just right now have nothing. And that's scary because that person potentially is still out there. Yeah, and uh, everybody in that area, you know, could be at risk. Yeah, very scary. Uh, Miss Wielassi coming to us in the UK, uh, to you, Dr. Shiloh. Uh, and I just read a comment, by the way, from Ski Hat Sarah, who said she'd be stunned if it was a woman. And then you get this comment from Miss Wielassi. I'm leaning towards it being a female who's done this, possibly someone whose boyfriend has shown an interest in Rachel, hence her face being a target. Uh, is there anything to that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know why she's kind of feeling that way, um, why she's leaning that way. There's really not a lot when we look at female violence to kind of back that up as a statistic in the sense of, you know, jealousy. Women do a lot of different things out of jealousy and when it comes to relationships. And, you know, a lot of that happens online now, but um, it, brutally beating somebody in the face really is just not something that we see. Not that it can't happen from a woman, um, but I would just, there's not a whole lot that holds weight to that if we look at the research. Uh, I guess there's always outliers, but uh, Dr. Shiloh going with the research. Cargar uh, 11, uh, back to you, uh, Detective Hobson. Why would the friend be ruled out? I think she's talking about the stepdaughter of this guy who's talking a lot. Uh, she wouldn't necessarily be ruled out um, unless they've ruled her out already, but uh, she's certainly someone that they would need to rule out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if she's the person that's found this, then she's the first person they're talking to. And so I, I don't know whether she's been ruled out yet, um, we, and we won't know. Um, two Australians in the house, Shaz uh, from Australia, followed right here by Karen Alchway, or G'day from Australia, best guest go Gigi. How about that? Um, Nina, I had a follow-up question for you on that um, regarding her. And uh, as my mother says, I just had a senior moment. 
um, which is driving me crazy because it was a good follow-up question. And now I cannot remember what it was, but it will come back to me. But in the meanwhile, um, the mother, uh, Patty Morin, uh, she was on Facebook, uh, Gigi McKelvey. Um, it's only been four days. Again, this is a day or two ago that she uh, wrote this. Uh, since we received the horrific news, I ask that as mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, that you would please have compassion on us and allow us this. I mean, uh, Gigi, the toughest part about what we do is, um, you know, you're really tight with Larry and Kay Woodcock. It's really, it's all the, it's a horrible word, but all the collateral damage. Um, just imagine what the mother's going through now, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a mother. I have, I have two daughters. I have a son. I can't imagine finding out that anything had happened to them, especially of this nature. Uh, you know, but the thing is this, I always tell families if, if I'm able to make contact with them early in the case, stay off of social media. Don't even go into these groups. Don't read comments because it's not going to be good for your mental health. You know, go offline, grieve as a family, listen to law enforcement and just leave the online world behind because it, it does. It gets to be a lot victim blaming, victim shaming, and then just finger pointing. And then to have to read these theories that people come up with about what could have happened to your daughter. I just, my heart goes out to her. And you think about her poor children. It's not like these were little bitty babies. The youngest was eight. The oldest is 18. So clearly, even at eight, a lot of understanding into the brutality of how your mom was killed, especially going up to the 18-year-old. I think, you know, in times like this, you've got to just bond together as a family and not not do the online thing. It's just got to be torturous. Um, Kathy White makes a good point, Gigi. You get a cardboard cutout of Gigi, I bet $100 your subscribers, <laughs> subscribers will increase a lot. Uh, I might try that. Uh, we'll see if that works. And by the way, um, this was something that was mentioned the other day that it's a hunting, you know, that there's potential potentially hunters in, in these woods. So there would be some hunting cameras, but police say no cameras on the trail per Victoria Powell. Uh, Nina, um, I remember my question. Could you commit if you're if you're speaking to this uh, stepdaughter of this guy, uh, she's the person that discovers the body. Could you possibly commit this crime without injuring yourself, breaking a nail, cutting fingers, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I'm not a forensic expert and, I, you know, we don't even know. We know it's a rock from what somebody else is saying. So um, I, I don't I can't really comment on that because I don't know the ins and outs of what's really happened. But, you know, forensically, there's there's forensics everywhere. You know, as a when you're talking to a rape victim, always stick your nails in because then you've got cells under your nails, even if there's nothing else, you know, there, there's, there's normally something normally, but again, I, I can't comment because I don't know the ins and outs of, of it. Um, I'll take my viewers any way I can. Look at this tiny dancer, 86. Ugh, I can't stand STS nation, but I love Gigi. So I'm on here to fully support Gigi. You look beautiful, Gigi. Tiny Dancer, we love you, even though that's not really what I'm thinking between my ears right now. But I do love you. But I'm Thank you, Tiny totally, Dancer. I'm, I'm having totally uh, different thoughts between my ears, but I still love you. And look at Black Widower from the UK. Um, so, Dr. Shiloh, uh, again, we always, for, you know, I, I don't say forget, but the, the, the real victims, the mother in this case and, and the children, they always seem to fall through the cracks. So the mother went on uh, on Facebook to say, if you've experienced the loss of a dear loved one, uh, you you then you know how hard it can be to express the pain that you feel in your heart. 
when it's sudden and tragic, your mind looks for ways to cope. As a mom, I appreciate the outpouring of love and support from family, friends, and the worldwide community that grieves with me for my young daughter. Um, the sad thing about this, and I'm not saying that they're looking at the mother, but they need to look at the family too, right? And rule them out in cases like this, uh, putting on your, your former police hat, Dr. Shiloh. Am I right about that? Well, they're going to look to anyone that had any sort of conflict with Rachel. And absolutely, I mean, that could include family. Um, I think they'll be able to gather that intel pretty quickly. But to what Patty's speaking about, I mean, this is what we call complicated grief. This is grief and a loss that includes something that is sudden. It includes a younger person. It includes a horrific crime. And in terms of grief and trauma and loss, that is going to be its whole other entity. It's going to take a much longer time for the family to recover than from, you know, what what is sort of typical grief when someone's lived a long life or they were ill and we expect them to pass away at any given time. So it's a really rough time for them right now, the fact that they're in complicated grief, but I'm I'm so glad that they have each other and I hope the kids are getting to at least do some of that grieving together, whether or not the fathers are getting them together or having them go to the grandmother's house to be able to support one another. That's going to be really important to do together and process. Uh, Tiff Knox, uh, Nina, to you. Eyewitness testimony is better than nothing, though. Uh, that is assuming that the eyewitness testimony, though, is accurate and correct, right, Nina? And, and that's one of the things that's got to be proven. You know, it's okay people talking about things and it's not evidentially valuable. So, you know, that's kind of the place's as job. And that's why you've got to separate this guy maybe is saying stuff. Um, and Dr. Shiloh said, you know, is he really a, a search and rescue? And, and we look at cases in the past where an arsonist is a fireman. Um, so you've got to just basically make sure that the evidence that you're getting is evidence rather than hearsay, someone's opinion, media. And that's what, as an investigator, you have to do. And all of the things that have been mentioned about the family and, and the grieving, it's it's very frustrating. They don't know what's happened. We we don't know what's happened and we're having a conversation about it because we're interested. As a family, they don't know what's happened and that's when frustration also starts. And Gigi said, you know, listen to the law enforcement because they are trying to do their absolute best. I can 100% say that's the case. Um, and so it's a very frustrating and, and sad time for everyone. Um, misdemeanor, uh, did she have share my location enabled on her cell phone? We obviously don't know because we're not part of the investigation, but Dr. Shiloh, um, they've got to be looking at all the foren digital forensics here, right? Oh, yeah. I, th I think that would help hone in a possible suspect pool, whether or not someone could literally see where she was. Um, and then, yeah, I think the other... Um, point there about did she have cell service you know did she feel like she was being followed by someone was someone giving her the creeps would she have taken a picture would she have called somebody and let them know that all would be really interesting information to find out um nina this this just triggered a thought that i, I meant to bring up earlier from marriage 70 um how does one go for a spray tan and then immediately exercise after seems off? Don't on a victim shame, but uh, I guess you're not supposed to exercise uh, right after a spray tan. You're not supposed to perspire. But 
what it, what it triggered in my head is, do you think there's any way that uh, this woman, Rachel Morin, could have been killed elsewhere and then moved to the park? Is that a possibility? Again, I, I can't comment on that because we don't know enough. But, I mean, I live in L.A. now and spray tan and exercising, they go hand in hand every day. So, I and again, it's going back to that evidence. Like, that that to me is, is just a... It, that it doesn't matter uh, people people are spray tanning and exercising every day um but was she murdered somewhere else i don't know i don't know um can't can't answer that mm. be interesting to find out if that is in fact the case uh keyboard it's detective a, here. Big, big, a big deal in in the light and to move and all of that. Yeah, we're saying there's no cameras there, but there are cameras in most places, car park. That would be the state of that she was in. That's a that's a big ask, but possible. It, it certainly sounds that way. Uh, Rick Nash, what if perhaps a jealous girlfriend of the new boyfriend, uh, and she goes out and confronts her, and it sadly goes south, followed here by uh, rage kill, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Um, Dr. Shiloh, this is your expertise. Is it possible uh, it could have been some sort of rage kill here? It, yeah, um, I. but I have to be honest. I think I'm having a little bit of reaction to this, like a jealous ex-girlfriend, just as we were sort of having to the victim blaming piece. Like, why are we bringing this back to blaming it on women fighting over a man, essentially? It just feels like an old trope to me. <laughs> and I don't know what to make of that, just that I'm kind of internally having a reaction there um, when it it feels a bit outside of what really the two leading theories probably are, is that it, it was certainly a male perpetrator because of the sexual aspect to it. Um, again, unless we find out there's some staging to this, right? Um, to to look like a sexual attack, but we'll we'll know that information once there once we get information on the sexual attack. I hope you know we can rule out the fact that this was another um, female as a result of sort of this jealous interlude. Uh, she could have been Tilo, our friend from Boston. Uh, we're doing uh, that story out of Boston tomorrow. Uh, the is it Karen Reed? Is Karen Reed? I keep. Uh, having a uh, mental block on the name for some reason, but Tilo, uh, hopefully you will join us. Uh, she could have been meeting Rachel Moore, and it, uh, that is, a date at the park thinking it would be safe because it's a public park. Uh, followed here by uh, Ski Hat Sarah, we're going to need an intervention here from Nina Hobson on this one. I'm outside waiting on my Uber at 5 a.m. most mornings in the dark, and I wear earbuds guess I'm going to stop. Uh, actually, Dr. Shiloh was shaking her head. Dr. Shiloh, would you like to have a word with Ski Hat Sarah, please? Yeah, please don't do that, Sarah. Just <laughs> keep one earbud in, one earbud out. That's what I do when I walk or go exercise out in public. Then you can hear someone coming up on you. Hmm. Listen to please. Nina Hobson, any uh, further advice there? I, I agree. You know, be aware of our surroundings. That's what you we all should be all the time to as, as much a degree as possible. And, um, you know, if you're in the dark, be even more aware. So earbuds out and um, obviously at Uber, you've, you've got a connection of who it is. And don't do what I did and get so busy on your phone that you actually get into a car that's parked outside thinking it's your Uber and then ask the guy to drive. And he said, what do you mean? I was like, you're my Uber. He was like, 
no. I'm like, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. So you got off easy on that one. Um, just it keeps going here. A lot of people. That's what's making me think it could be a jealous female attacking her, someone who knows her and was possibly angry if she had interacted with their boyfriend online. Uh, we don't know the answer. That is the bottom line. But uh, Gigi McKelvey, we do know, uh, according to uh, news reports, that uh, she did some housekeeping and the and the cleaning. And the person she worked for uh, said that Rachel Morn, above all, uh, loved children. Uh, speaking of her own five children, uh, this woman said she raised them very well. She had a flexible work schedule that allowed her to make sure her kids were always taken care of. We were like grandparents to the kids, and we trusted her implicitly. This is a 69-year-old woman, um, and she had hired Rachel uh, and her cleaning services. What's interesting here um, is that she said she seemed distracted in the week leading up to the murder, uh, Gigi. Uh, that sounds like something that police are definitely going to have to question uh, Ms. Wolt about further. She's 69. Yeah, that and also, again, going through her phone, seeing if she was having any conflict with anybody that week before, looking at her location, were there places she was going she didn't normally go, all that. I think right now it's just anything's possible. I think that, you know, it's it, it could be random. It could be somebody that knows her. It's just it's so bizarre. I just, um, yeah, broad daylight killing like that, you know, with if the reports are correct from Mr. Loose Lips, with everything that we've heard, it's just so brazen. And so it's just, I don't know, it's kind of got me boggled, to be honest. But I'm sure her phone is going to hold some clues if it's somebody that knows her. Um, so Rachel Morin's, uh, there's no shortage, shortage of sadness uh, within this family. Uh, her niece, uh, the, the sister is a mom of seven kids. And I guess she reported that uh, one of the baby nieces in the family just died of SIDS uh, a week before. So they were all mourning uh, that death, which is horrible. And uh, the sister, Rebecca, said it is with dev devastating sadness and a broken heart that our family has been hit with yet another heartbreak. My sister, Rachel Morin, went missing on Saturday, August 5th. Um, Rebecca apparently confirmed uh, that the sister did not have life insurance and were appealing for financial assistance to now provide for the five children, but uh, Nina, in a weird way, that removes that motive, right? There's no uh, no one trying to get at any life insurance, although she wasn't even married, right? But at least that yeah, I mean, you do look. You have to look at everything like that, and I know that you're doing a case coming up where life insurance is one of the potential motives. Um, but yeah, I mean, they will look at, at anything like that because right now they've got to find the person responsible and finding a motive is going to assist with that. So everything's going to be looked at. Uh, and finally here, um, the mother announced, I guess on Facebook that August 19th today is August. So in five days, uh, the family's inviting members of the community. They're going to be meeting at 11 AM uh, at the William street entrance to this trail. Um, and they're going to be doing, um, a trail of flowers and light, leaving flowers on the trail. So they're asking the public uh, to be there uh, to support the family. Um, Dr. Shiloh, not to make this sound like a movie or anything, but we always hear about this. Will there be, uh, and this is again, taking on, putting on your old police hat, will there be undercover law enforcement at this, uh, keeping an eye on the crowd here, see if anyone stands out. Sometimes killers like to go back. Um, 
to these memorials. Is that is that something out of a movie or is that real and legit? No, that's that's absolutely real and legit. There'll be surveillance done, um, whether it's undercover or if they just have uh, photographic and video uh, recordings being taken during this to see who's in the crowd so they can kind of go back to that later. Yeah, mm. I, I bet you they will absolutely be doing that. Interesting. Uh, Amy Marta, great guest, great show. I have to agree that about the great guests, uh, great show part. Uh, Cindy Newfeld, lovely panel, would have to agree with that. Uh, I'll leave you with this and then we'll get some, some quick uh, closing thoughts. The sister Rebecca wrote a poem and I'm going to read it right now. Shrouded in grief, suffocating, in soul-crushing heartbreak, a pain I know well and hate, my sister, my friend, now gone, alone I am with my pain, my old friend, the only one that stays till the end. It's a pretty heavy poem. It's a pretty good poem, actually. Um, I hadn't read it till right now. Uh, huge thanks to our uh, best guests, uh, the rock star, Gigi McKelvey, who in another lifetime probably was really a rock star, a member of Pink Floyd. Who knows? God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But now she hosts the popular true crime podcast, Pretty Lies and Alibis. She covers every huge trial in America because she's uh, the most sought after uh, law and crime correspondent in the world. She works for law and crime. Uh, Gigi, oh, look at this. Look at this. On my show, we are promoting Gigi's merch. Pretty lovely. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, it's become an obsession. I've started a line of lyric shirts, right? So I looked into it. You can put lyrics. You can't put band names. So I'm having a blast with that. So I've, mm. I've branched out from true crime merch. What really just like logo merch. I can't make money off of like a certain case. I don't do that. But I'll make some money off some lyrics. So check it out. Yeah. And I need to get that because I'm gonna. I want to rock that at CrimeCon. Come. Are you going to oh, CrimeCon, Doctor Shiloh and Nina? Yes, Yes. Oh, good. I can't wait to meet you I am guys. not this year. I did CrimeCon UK and chose that over the U.S. this year. That was, that's a smart move. I might have to do that next year. But this year, I'm uh, I'm going. Shout out to Ketchup, by the way. But this year, uh, my first time at CrimeCon. Um, no so, offense, uh, but I couldn't support Florida in my right mind. Well, so <laughs> <laughs> I chose London instead. <laughs> I support Florida every day. Uh, I don't know whether that's good or bad, but by the way, it's like 11,000 degrees here. It's, it's, it's hotter than, much hotter than usual. By the way, they say that the ocean water right now is like at 100 degrees, which cannot yep. be healthy. That is insane. So, Like the shrimp are boiling in the ocean. What's that? The shrimp are just like boiling up pink, you yeah. know, it's so hot. It's, it's crazy. I'm going to have to go dip my, I, I forget I live near the beach sometimes, but I'm not going to dip my toes in that water. Uh, Rose Shiflet, uh, the Michael G dude is interesting. If Rachel was his daughter, BFF, then I'm sure I knew her. Maybe he was stalking her. That's an interesting question. But uh, Gigi, your final thoughts here. It's, it's um, I think this case, and correct me if I'm wrong, is really intriguing because it's, a, it's right now it's a real whodunit. Um, you get the Nina Hobsons and the Dr. Shilohs and the uh, we had Phil Waters and Scott Duffy. Phil's investigated 400 homicides, and I was watching his brain work in real in real time, uh, kind of working through what possibilities there could be. Uh, do, you, do you think that's the reason people are so intrigued right now? Yeah, yeah. A good who done it, it, it always gets people interested because, you know, it gets them in their minds to be part of the process. We're kind of going through like we're doing now. So what happens in these groups is we're kind of speculating on what could be. And I think that it's just going to be one of those until we get a suspect 
in custody, then it might make a lot of sense. But for right now, I can talk about this and have 10 different theories with every single conversation. So I think that's always part of the appeal in true crime when uh, somebody is missing and hasn't been found yet is that hope that when they're missing, they'll be found alive. In this case, you know, you just want to get this person off the street. But a week later, it's super concerning and leads me to think, you know, in my opinion right now in this moment, I might change it in five minutes. This either is somebody who was stalking her, knew a regular routine or just random, but it's it's just, it's crazy. Um, you know, we just always have to go out and be prepared to protect ourselves. That's just the world we live in. But, um, you know, I always tell my daughters, like, don't go in parking garages at night. Don't go anywhere at night. Just you know, do your business in the daytime if you're going to be alone. It's just, it's just where we live. And, and this happened in broad daylight. So again, it can happen anywhere, anytime to anybody. Well, as a father of uh, two girls and one boy, but especially the two girls, I might have to stop doing this show soon. It's going to uh, lead me. It gets to- heavy. Yeah, gets yep. gets crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm Kathy petrified. White, yeah, <laughs> uh, I need to start covering monster trucks. I think instead, um, the earbud headphones drive me batshit crazy. We live in a dangerous world. I always keep one ear open. That is the advice uh, from Nina Hobson and Dr. Shiloh. Uh, killers do love to revisit the scene. Speaking of Nina Hobson, she is a former British detective who worked covert ops, major crime, and close personal protection. Speaking of that close personal protection, normally I would not embarrass her, but she was Gigi, the bodyguard for Bono of U2. He does embarrass me every time. Someone else contacts me and said, he's going to Vegas. Can you get tickets? The answer is no. Right? Yeah, no. yeah nope, we got to nope. meet at Crime Con. We got to talk. Yeah, we, we can go. <laughs> I knew that would, I knew that uh, Gigi's antenna would uh, suddenly be raised. So, uh, yeah, if you need anything from Bono, uh, Nina Hobson's your, uh, your <laughs> She's also the host of a new true crime podcast. It is called Codename Siren. Codename Siren. Uh, check it out. Um, Nina Hobson, is it your feeling right now that police are maybe circling a potential suspect or do you think they are completely duped right now? I would love to say that they have a suspect that we're just not aware of because we shouldn't be. But a week in? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it, it's a it's a case where whoever it is needs to be taken out of. I don't mean. Well, maybe I do mean killed, but you know what I mean. Taken away. Um, but right now, weekend. I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's things that police do that we wouldn't know about that are probably happening right now. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. But please, you know, there's a family here that have are hurting and we don't want this to happen to anyone else whether it's a dating app or person in the park whatever let's just hope and pray that they they literally have got that person let's uh from from your mouth to god's ears as i say uh killers i read that already loves oh this is what i was going to bring up the great steve cohen says uh a rising tide lifts all ships so let's plug Gigi's patreon as well here i love it Patreon, support Gigi on Patreon and support LA Not So Confidential. 
and support Codename Siren, please. Uh, speaking of LA Not So Confidential, Dr. Shiloh, former police officer, a current forensic and law enforcement psychologist. Uh, she specialized in sex offender treatment and psychological evaluations. She's also, as I just said, the co-host of LA Not So Confidential. Dr. Shiloh, I never really asked you, what made you all of a sudden say, I don't want to be a police officer anymore. I want to become a psychologist. Why, why the flip mid-career? <laughs> Um, I actually became a police officer because I was looking after college to get hired with the California Department of Justice, but they were on a hiring freeze. So I became a cop to get some experience and then go into federal law enforcement. And in between that, while working as a police officer, I went back to school to get my doctorate in forensic psychology because I figured I had to be the best candidate possible. And I ended up absolutely falling in love with forensic work and decided to take a job with the the company I was working for, even though the FBI gave me a job offer, I decided to go the psych route. Mm. Uh, Dr. Shiloh, your final thoughts. Um, where does this go from here right now? I have a great amount of faith. I think, you know, keeping tight-lipped on this is what the cops are doing. I think if if the Moscow, Idaho case taught us anything, it's that we don't need to get all frenzied and whipped up into, like someone in your chat said, some conspiracy theories. We need to trust the process. Um, and I, I hope that something will be coming out soon. They're exploring whether or not she had any conflicts with anyone that might lead them in the right direction, but also... There's got to be someone out there, if it's a stranger, that someone saw that is acting differently now that um, some forensic evidence is going to tie them to. So I, I'm really, really hopeful in this. And uh, glad to hear that. Uh, quick programming note before we say goodbye. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, we are doing the Karen Reed case out of Boston. Uh, she's accused of running over and killing her boyfriend, a Boston PD police officer, John O'Keefe. But uh she said she's being framed and there is some uh, evidence possibly pointing in that direction. We've got the great Wendy Murphy, who is a very prominent Boston attorney on that tomorrow night. And then uh, Wednesday, 1230 p.m., we are back to uh, Lisk, the Long Island serial killer. And uh, we will visit uh, what's going on with all the victims uh, in that case. Uh, obviously, the victims uh, who were murdered, as well as Rex Sherman's own family, uh, what they're all dealing with right now. But a uh, huge thank you to an amazing panel. Love you, South Carolina. Love you, LA. Love you, the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Miami. Maybe not for Shiloh, but I live here. And everyone, see you night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Until then. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, 
you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.